God's grace, His mercy, and His peace are yours in Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's great to hear Him cry. Because oh, you remember our first prayers were for His breath, right? It was for His breath. And so we're thankful for, to hear that breath coming, baby Hayden. Um, so we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8, and we're going to look at the Luke 17 passage a little bit uh, today with the 10 lepers. The, um, this, this, uh, this whole thing, and, and it's funny, I, I had told them to take out this clip, uh, the Disney movie Coco, you know, it's that powerful song that he has in there, and when he, t- he speaks to his great-grandma, and, and it's simply called Remember Me, Remember Me. And it's touching, and it's emotional, and it's moving. It's a powerful thing. I kind of want you to hold that thought. What are the various things that that means? Uh, to remember, to remember me. Because that's what this day is from these readings. From these readings, it's a call to remember. So I have two dear friends in Jerusalem right now. They're actually visiting in the Holy Land right now. And, and one of them is posting. And they've done a neat job. They're two pastors. And they clearly coordinated this ahead of time. I would not have been this organized. Um, they do devotions for every day. And at different sites that they're at. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sea of Galilee. Bethlehem. Um, and then that, they're in Jerusalem now. Or they were at the Dead Sea. And things like that. And it's really interesting because in the trip where we took, one of the, it's weird to say that it's a highlight, it was powerful, was not even a biblical site. Those were wonderful. It was wonderful. Especially Galilee was a delightful place where Jesus did much of his public ministry. But when we were in Jerusalem, we went to the Holocaust Museum. That's a thing. That is a thing. And I'll tell you, uh, for those of us whose parents at least grew, were alive in that time, or maybe you were alive in that time at the conclusion of World War II when things were revealed and the mass genocide that had happened, the horrors that had been inflicted upon um, the Jewish people, um, especially in Europe, it's a bit overwhelming. And, um, and, and so I had that experience, and room after room after room essentially is calling you to remember. Because there are deniers today. There are people who actually, actually say this did not happen. It was made up. And so those places, we have one in Washington, D.C. The one in Jerusalem is just overwhelming. And of course, it's in the heart of Judaism. It's in the heart of Israel. Um, don't forget. And then I've shared this with you before. You know, I grew up in New York and on 9-11... I, was, I got a phone call and then nothing, you know, from my best friend. Tried desperately to call him all day long. And when 9-11 happened and the loss of 3,000 lives, and many, many of those lives were first responders, and how they uh, ran to the, to the moment. And, and it's funny, and this was true for a fair amount of people who, who called themselves New Yorkers. I still consider myself that. That was where I grew up. The museum was hard to go to. We didn't... Many of us didn't go. And I, we did go this uh, one year ago. I was back there for a wedding, for the wedding of my, my dear friend's daughter. And uh, we went to the museum. We went to 9-11. And it's a hard thing to go to um, when it's your town, when it's, when it's those people. And, uh, and again, the theme there over and over is don't forget. 
Don't forget. And it's interesting, when the reason I started with this, I didn't want to be super somber because it's going to get better, don't worry. Um, the thing that's interesting about that is, is because clearly there is one thing not to forget. Don't forget the horror, the tragedy, the loss. Don't forget that. But what, what I really appreciated, especially about the 9-11 Museum, was look at what we have. Look at what happened in the midst of tr crisis and tragedy. You know, we've had a, we've had a horror show of, of, of shootings, mass shootings around the country just in the last couple of weeks. And, um, and you know, the one, the one, I forget, I think it was the Colorado Springs, and he, no, it was Colorado Springs and then Idaho the, in Moscow, um, overcome by emotion. And, you know, the comment that's made, and it's not an unusual, it's, it's one that's said numerous times, the, the, the content of our character is revealed not in the tragedy. We're not defined by the tragedy. We're defined by our response to it. And so I think 9-11 was tremendously an example of that. And the Jewish people, the, the rise of Israel, the nation of Israel, of course, was a response to the Holocaust also in large part. We're often defined on how we respond to tragedy, not defined by the tragedy, but how we respond to it. Because when we hear this story in Deuteronomy and even in the Luke passage, there's a horror show behind it. In the Deuteronomy one, it's 400 years of slavery. We had slavery in America, half of that. 400 years that the Jews were subject slaves to Egypt. Slave workers, slave laborers, um, with no hope until God came and heard their cries and rescued them from slavery. What then is their response to that? And God, that's the reminder that God is doing in Deuteronomy. What's your response to how I saved and the land I brought you to? And how will you remember those things? Please remember those things. And then the Luke passage, and we don't get this very much. Um, my wife watches this show called The Midwives, and there was a neat, neat episode on there with someone with leprosy. They thought it was smallpox and so forth. But in this modern era, we have kind of have a cure. It's called Hansen's disease now. But leprosy in Jesus' day was horrifying. I mean, it was as if the Black Plague had descended. People believed it was um, contagious from a distance. Uh, lepers had to wear bells. And if they actually saw you, if they saw you approaching them, they had to ring the bell around their neck and say, unclean, unclean to remind people that if you came and touched them or came within a certain distance of them, you would be ritually and ceremonially unclean, unable to worship in the temple, participate in synagogue, and so forth. And so leprosy, what a horror show it was for those people. Family, gone. Isolated. You're with other people who are also embittered, despairing. They did not have hope. And so those are your two stories for this Thanksgiving Day. Thanks be to God. And so, but what's so wonderful about this is how God provides remedy. And so what I really wanted to do, and I don't have an outline for you today, but I have four things that I want to share with you here about how we remember. And the first thing is this. We remember God's undeserved love and grace. It wasn't that the Israelites had earned God's grace because they'd been slaves for 400 years. It isn't that the lepers earned Jesus' touch and healing because they had endured such suffering. That's not how it works. You know we live in a broken world, right? Am I telling you anything new? We live in a broken world. What family here among us has not been touched by tragedy, loss, 
isolation, unexpected. Is there a family? And so God, the very first thing which he calls for is remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. You know, uh, we've been watching The Chosen and just talking about it here. And one of the scenes, it's interesting, there's a scene with Peter. And he's just, he's trying to catch fish to pay a tax debt, which we don't know about. It's made up, but it's an interesting thing. And he's out there all night fishing, fish, nothing, nothing, nothing. And he goes into this litany of grievances he has with God. And in this litany of grievances, it's like, it's like um, you did this, but then we did this happened. We went into exile. We wandered around for 40 years, and then venomous snakes bit us, and then we lost the temple, and then we lost our land, and, and then we were in exile, and now we have the Romans, you know, all along. And so what is he doing? He's not remembering God's undeserved love and grace. He's counting all of his grievances he has against God. And so God is calling them to this to remind them, these are the things we long for you to avoid. But how does this happen? How, do you, how, do you, how are you prompted to remember God's undeserved love and grace? So many of you know I'm building a house, and I'm, I'm in the, the painters are almost done. And so things are happening, good things are happening. Um, pray for my knees as I start putting in flooring. Um, but it's, uh, that stuff's happening. But there was a spot where, so Brad Peck and I are doing this house together, and we're, we're about getting ready for the painters, and we're going to do trim in the windows. And as I've told you before, I'm a blunt instrument. Brad is a fine craftsman. And so we're about to put trim in the windows, and I'm starting to cut some pieces, and I'm about to nail this thing up, and he is horrified because all I'm going to do is take this piece of, uh, piece of uh, wood and staple it onto the frame and the next one on the frame and put a, staple it on the windowsill, right? How many of you would say, well, that's how I do it? Anybody? That is wrong. And Brad comes in and sees me doing this, and he's literally horrified. And so, stop! You know, he's doing this. And I go, well, what's the deal? Anyway, long story short, you, you, build a, you build a box so that your reveals are exactly the same on all the sides. And then you shim them all, and then you level it all. And then you staple it into the wall. And, I'm, and I was so embarrassed. And the neat thing about what Brad said was, he didn't, he didn't say, well, you're just a dummy, and why don't you let me do this? He said, how would you know? How would you know that? Did anyone ever teach you that? Has anyone ever instructed you on how to do that? How would you know? What a blessing that we know. How, and here's my challenge to all of us, especially as families. How will your kids know? That's one of the things. What a blessing. You get to tell Hayden of all the things God has done for him. And to say it repeatedly again and again, whether it's in the waters of baptism, providing him with a family, with access to the grace of God, that God has given us this good land that we are able to worship, and on and on and on. The very first point for this that God is talking about in Deuteronomy is remembering God's undeserved love and grace by teaching it. Just a chapter or two before, he says that in Deuteronomy 6, teach this to your children. And they walk when they sit down, as they lie down, as they get up, all the time. Remind them of the grace of God, undeserved and unearned. The second thing I wanted to share with you is he goes, then know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, God disciplines his children. He shows his love to us in his commands. I remember taking driver's ed 
and my son go, and my daughter and my son going through driver's ed and trying to remember all those things. You have to take the test. How many feet away from this? When do you turn your bright lights down? How many, how many car lengths before you have to use a signal? Of course, no one in Idaho uses a signal. But, um, you know, what's the speed limit in school zones? And what's those hours? And how does this go? And there's a th- you know, there's a hundred different rules you're trying to remember. Have you ever stopped to thank God for that? that we actually hand out licenses to people who theoretically pass that test? Who actually are supposedly in, know, in knowledge of and aware of those rules so that we can actually drive and make our way around without fear, without danger, although sometimes it's still with fear and danger, um, but that we have those rules. God, that, those are tremendous blessings to us. Now imagine a God of heaven and earth who chooses to reveal to a broken and fallen human race, hey, by the way, if you'd like to be blessed, here's some guidelines. I said this to my Life in Christ class just last Monday. I said, can you imagine with me for a moment just the Ten Commandments? Could you imagine if people actually daily when they woke up said, hey, let's do our best on those. Let's put God first. Let's use God's name well instead of a swear word. Let's gather together to receive his gifts regularly. Let's honor those in authority over us, especially our parents, even though they're not perfect. Let's honor life in our midst because it's a gift from God. Let's be faithful in our marriages and in our relationships. Let's let's not take somebody else's stuff. Let's tell the truth. And how about being content? Could you imagine what the world would look like? Could you, could you even imagine? Even if we just thought about it, much less tried. And so the second thing is we remember that God's commands are given to us as gifts of love. God, that's another remembrance that we do today. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance, for your correction, for taking us forward. It's the sign of his great love. The third thing I wanted to share with you from this text is that God also says, don't forget to praise me. And do you know why this is? Why God longs longs for us to praise him? There's an interesting, let's see if I've got it here, yeah. So, any of you familiar, it's an old movie now. I'm going to say the name Jimmy Stewart. Anybody? Okay, good. Thank God. For those of you who don't know, ask your grandparents. It's a Jimmy Stewart movie called Shenandoah. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It takes place about civil war, and times are tough. They're really tough. But the family sits down, and at mealtime, they always offer a prayer. And Jimmy Stewart, the patriarch of the family, always prays this. He says, O Lord, we planted the seed, then we harvested the crop. If we hadn't put the food on the table, it wouldn't be sitting here. But Lord, we give you thanks anyway. Not much of a prayer, is it? Not much of a prayer, and it's not a remembrance to praise him. I want to read these verses for you from this text again. Susan, thank you for honoring God's word today in your reading. Chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Please do so. Praise the Lord your God. Is Is our country sometimes in a mess? Praise the Lord for the good land he has given you. You know, at least, two, at least 2.3 million people decided this was a better land than they wanted before as they seek to get into this country. I'm not making any political comments here. I'm just telling you. It's a better land than some have made you 
made, made you think it is. People are longing to be here. Don't forget. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees. Otherwise, and here's the point, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your bank accounts fat, and your silver and your gold increase, and the equity in your home triples, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. I wanted to read you this other story that I had heard. It's a pastor who told the story of a 26-year-old woman in his congregation. Her husband had died suddenly, tragically. He was a farmer, and his tractor had brushed up against an electrified fence, and it caused a massive heart attack, and it killed him instantly. And here she was, three kids, not enough money. Her hopes were dashed. The pastor quotes her. She said, I don't know what I'm going to do without him, she sobbed. But I do know what my choices are. I can get better or I can get better. I'm turning to the church so that I can get better. The pastor said she underscored a universal truth. When trouble slams us, we do have choices. And that's the fourth thing that I wanted to share with you here. When we forget, be remembered. Now I'm, now I'm in the Luke one, New Testament. Ten lepers. Can you imagine that any of them were bitter? discouraged. We thought we went through isolation in the pandemic. Nothing compared to what they went through. And so what happens in this situation is, and so in this one, they have choices. And so they still cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. Jesus takes pity upon them, and they are all healed, all 10 of them. But on the way, one of them, when he was healed, came back and this point is what I want to talk to you about. And if you're watching us online, or if you hear this, if you watch this later on online, or if you talk to anyone who maybe has gotten out of the habit of being together or coming together around the word or around God's grace and so forth, this is not a chastisement. This is an invitation. Because you know when this, this leper got remembered into the body of Christ? It's when he came back to Jesus. It wasn't when he went to the priest. It wasn't when he was declared clean. It was when he came back to Jesus and knelt at his feet and gave him praise. And Jesus, astonished by such faith, and the faith of a Samaritan, someone who Jews hated, who was readily, often just ridiculed and persecuted and despised, Jesus rejoices, your faith has made you well. Jesus remembers us. And that was my comment for baby Hayden. In our baptism for each of us, what an example here today. Hayden is membered into the body of Christ. And every time we come and we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am your child. 
I call upon your grace. And he says, welcome home. In my grip, holding you tight. You are my own. Not bitter. Now you're better. Because I have remembered you to myself. We are always welcomed home. Always invited by Christ. Welcomed in his name. Cleansed by his healing touch. That's worth giving praise to. A blessed thanksgiving. May we give thanks, now and always, to God our Savior. Amen.